man oh do we do we cheers it real quick before we do this yeah cheers to uh i don't know cheers to good health and uh long live this podcast for this podcast that's what i hope for it 2025 hang loose ranch exactly let's go (laughs) to the back roads and bonfires podcast Oh my gosh. It's good whiskey. I love it so much. Good whiskey. I became a whiskey drinker, uh, I don't know, two years ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, good thing this isn't videoed. <laughs> it's like me <laughs> over here dying. It's funny because I, I probably, I mean, I with my job, I'm around people that are drunk 24-7, I feel like. Yeah. But I, at the same time, don't drink. But I guess I, it's weird. I feel like in high school, I was like, I maybe like reached my peak of drinking, which is even crazier to think. Like all of my heavy, heavy, heavy alcoholic days, yeah. I guess, were like between the ages of like 17 and uh, okay, maybe 16. So, I was going to say. So, yeah, maybe, maybe one down one year? Yeah, maybe 16 <laughs> uh, through like 25. And then yeah. it was like... Okay, that's that's probably not good anymore. I should probably stop doing that. Because I don't have that... I don't know if you... Well, you know this, but I uh, I don't I don't have that off switch when it comes to drinking. Like, I wish I did, but I... Like, we could tell some stories. Yeah. Notice if, uh, we won't, but we could. <laughs> but at uh, the same time, you know, like I said, I got it out of my system. And But now it's, it's funny, because I, I would say that my wife would say that I'm a lightweight. Like, for sure, because in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, but she, she, uh, no, she for sure. Like, we went out. Uh, it was like Super Bowl Sunday or like around then, and with some friends. And it was really funny because I had like two drinks and got kind of, you know, excited and like loose. And she, she was just like, "What are you doing right now?" And I was just like, "Oh, I'm a little drunk." She's like, "You've had two drinks. Like, don't." <laughs> don't flatter yourself like like you're fine i was like okay well i was like i feel pretty drunk she's just like relax but yeah that was life catches up to you man we get old it does can't hang like you used to no there's yeah i never partook in high school because i didn't i wanted to make sure i didn't oversleep for bfs yeah in the morning s- smart <laughs> yeah i had to get there and do that dot, yeah, that I was dot just drill at 6 30 yeah you were on time for the dot drill yeah <laughs> I don't think at that point in my life I could have done the dot drill sober or unsober. You know, like it wouldn't have mattered if I was drunk or not doing the dot drill because you're bouncing around with 300 pounds on one leg. You're just like, not great for the joints. (laughs) Yeah, the knees, my knees today are still being like, "Mm, was that a good idea? (laughs) Does Elta High School owe us a little bit of money for the amount of joint damage that we still have in our bodies? I wonder. I'd say, I don't know. 25 bucks each and at least right <laughs> yeah uh, gift card to to casey's or something right except my uh, my nickname in high school was flat on his feet loves to eat so i handled those dots like yeah. a pro at my size you were for high school athletic ability i mean for your size still to this day it's pretty it was pretty incredible because you were four did you do track in high school Oh yeah, yeah. You were four, four, four athlete or four sport athlete. Yes, sir. Which is insane to think about. 
as I get older and have moved from, I've only lived in big cities, like coming here where it's like, you don't ever nope. hear that. You know, even when I was in Kansas city, I, it was pretty rare that you, somebody was playing football and basketball, you know, if they were a good athlete, you know, you, you chose one and their sports last, you know, major cities. It's just weird because you get here. We definitely had seasons for sports. You played your baseball, you played your basketball, you played your football, you wrestled, you did whatever you did, but the rest of it was all, but it was all seasons, you know, like that's what I mean. It's like now I know kids that, you know, when I was living in Kansas City, a friend of mine had a, had a son and he played baseball all year round. Like it was, it's specialized nowadays. Yeah, it's, and I think that's you can't do that. What do you think time. about that? Do you think that that's a good thing? Because I almost eh. don't. I think it's like a. I think it's a bad thing. I think kids should play, even if you're really, really good at one sport. I'm like, doesn't? I feel like you learned so much. I think you probably learned things about football from playing basketball. You know? Yeah, well, other sports work certain muscles that make you better at the other sports, like. You're gonna have you're gonna be a lot better at football because of certain footwork and stuff you learn in basketball. You're gonna be better at baseball because of certain leg strength and stuff you have from football. It just kind of comes together. You hear yeah. a lot of like high level coaches. They say that they want multiple sport athletes in college. Okay, so I mean, yeah, we're not the only. Do- that's like, what they say. They say yeah, you yeah. know. I thought maybe this is me and you groundbreaking news that we no. were gonna be like <laughs> you know telling. I mean, there you. might be a lot of people that disagree with this nowadays, right. but you never know. here on the Backroads and Bonfires podcast, we're all about bringing to life the random conversations and memories we had while growing up in a small town with nothing to do. This episode's guest and I had many of those conversations and moments together growing up, and now the man is living in the Big Apple doing some amazing things. We're going to chat about his journey to where he is now in a conversation I am very much looking forward to. And I think you're all going to enjoy a lot. Let's get into episode 53 of the Backroads and Bonfires podcast. Well, after that lovely, hopefully glowing introduction, a man uh, joining me here is, I don't know, we've been friends for, would you say, like 25 years, something like that, roughly? Oh, yeah. I would, 25 years. Yeah, I would at least. Yes, sir. <laughs> Almost at least, I would say, you know. Yeah, she's been... Uh, I mean, you got to think... I've, I mean, we've known each other since we were five years old. Very true. It's like, now that I think of it, it's like, were we best friends then? I don't know, but we were definitely friends, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd say acquaintances into friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were five-year-old acquaintances. <laughs> if you could have an acquaintance when you're <laughs> <Yeah>. seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, this man I'm talking about, his name is uh, Wyatt... Svensson, 
a lot of you listening might know. If not, I think you're gonna you're gonna uh, love to what you hear about him and learn about him throughout this conversation. He's been uh, from Alta to Florida, New York, everywhere in between, and we're gonna hear some of that journey. Who knows? This conversation, you know, two old friends. It might. Who knows where it's gonna go? We might not get through everything, which means we'll just have to have a part two, part three, maybe. If Wyatt's okay with that, I'm in. The man's got a busy schedule. So I don't know. I was, I don't know what direction you want to take this. I was just going to say maybe tell us a little bit about yourself or. Yeah. I mean, in uh, like reference to the show, you know, I grew up in the same town that you grew up in. Yes, sir. We've, like I said, we've known each other uh, since we, at least we were five years old, you know, maybe even younger because we went to the same babysitter. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about that the other I actually got into town late late last night and then drove around oh and if people if it's a podcast and you're wondering why I sound like Patrick Mahomes it's because we both have the Kermit the Frog thing going on for us but I got into town last night and uh obviously it's dark so you don't see anything and um they uh you know, I, I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to drive around, but it was like midnight. So I went to bed and then got up this morning and kind of cruised around the town because every time you come back and sometimes this has probably not been the longest, but it's been well over a year and a half, almost two years since I've been back here probably um, with everything that's been going on. And, you know, I always just like to like even just see what, you know, the uh, houses are still there or they make sure like they're still there sort of thing. And I, yeah, I drove by that. I went down that street that uh, yes, sir. Uh, the babysitters was on, and I, yeah, I just had like a chuckle, and then I, I remembered. I was like, oh shoot! I was like, we definitely went to the same babysitter. We did, and so we have definitely known each other. Yeah, twenty five years at least. Yes, sir. You know? I mean, I don't know when exactly. I don't know. I've told uh, I told a story on one of the episodes on this podcast about that babysitter when I told her I don't like white milk. <laughs> and yep. I, I was begging with her, do not make me drink milk with our macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. I hate it. I'll just let me drink water. I said, if you make me drink milk, I'm gonna puke. She forced me to drink She's white stubborn. milk. Puked all over my hot dogs <laughs> and mac and cheese. Not only did I puke after telling her I would, and she forced me to drink the milk. She made me clean it up. Come on, can't make it like a an 11 year old clean up his own puke. No, and and as a come on, yeah. As a frequent flyer of that of that uh, <laughs> of that babysitter as well, um, well, a lot of no nonsense was going on. And actually, I don't know if he's been on here, but a friend of ours um, that went there as well. I, can, can I say Thomas? Yeah. Okay. Throw like, his name out. So <laughs> Thomas Hansen went there. Yeah. And he was like the king of the castle. He was. It was very much. It was one of those <laughs> things that, like, I look back upon now. And like very fondly laugh about and like it's like one of those first kind of like imprinted memories in my mind is a lot of it is at her house. True. Because it's you kind of we were it was the first few maybe times we were allowed to be away from you. You're away from your parents Mm -hmm. and you're smart enough to like push the boundaries a little bit. So you kind of were doing stuff that was a little bit like, oh, I wouldn't do this at home. But at the babysitters, I'm definitely going to try to get away with this. 100 percent. And. There was something, though, about him, and 
I, I want to say... And Babysitter's I don't, son loved him. Yes, the he babysitter's... Had, he had special favors. Yes, the babysitter's son <laughs> thought he was like... And I don't... It's funny because you... The, the town of Elta hasn't changed. Nope. In, in a lot of ways. But there's obviously those homes in those places when you come back and see them it's you know i i actually probably off the podcast have a lot of questions of who lives where and are do these people still live there you know because we can answer I, those yeah i was driving down a few roads and you know shout out to one of the, the greatest teachers i ever had and still think is is dave kerbo i randomly still think about him as like one of she's my neighbor so does he still live over there? Yeah, just walks by all the time. Okay. I yeah, him, I, I wondered. I give him a shout out. I wondered if he was still in that house that he was. Yes, sir. You know, I just, yeah, what a guy. I, it's funny because I I truly had a lot of high school teachers uh, I liked. Yeah, we were lucky. We had but, a great group of teachers. Yeah, a really a, a great group of teachers for a very small town. And yep. as someone, as you get older and you kind of hear everybody else's upbringing and different cities and different places you know only graduating with 40 some people like you know i mean when i tell people that some people are like what what do you mean i was like no that's all the people in my town there's only 40 in my class and they're like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah." but like what were you just like broken up and i was like no 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 like there's a real number in my in my high school class like when i graduated the amount of people walking across the stage was 42 or whatever it was you know and Man, there are people still that don't know how to wrap their heads around it. They're like, what do you, 42 people? Like, in general? And I was like, yeah. I was like, there's only like 280 in the whole high school. That's what makes it great. Yeah. and But we did. We had a really, you know, I think it's like more of just like his kind of like outlook of life of what is what I more remember. Like the little things he would almost say, you know, his like, yes, sir. his golden rule. I'll never forget that thing of like, you know everybody's golden rule is like treat others the way you want to be treated. And his was treat others better than you want to be treated. And I think about that a lot. Like I do think about that a lot. And I think that that's like randomly still something to me. That's like imprinted on me where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that's, that is almost a better way to look at things in life. Cause there are people that are struggling and going through things and you're just like, Oh yeah, I should, I should definitely try to always treat people a little bit better even than like i want to be treated like just Mm -hmm. go above and beyond and i i think it's more true of small towns is that i don't know if it's just because the entire town is like you know everyone who lives pretty much everywhere in town growing up in a small town like so much of your time is spent trying to find something to do i feel like it has more of a connection to you that for some reason when you're from a small town you go out and live somewhere and you come back, and you were saying, like, I got to drive around, see what's going on. I feel like, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like the small, if you're from a small town, that town, when you get there, just has more of a tug on your heart, and you want to see what's going on, and you think of all these memories. And I'm not saying you don't have it if you're from a big city, but for some reason, it just feels more intimate, more special. And maybe just because I'm a, from a small town, I think of that. But, no, I think I think it's like that. Even, like, when I went to college, and I'd come back to Elta, it was just, like, such a great feeling. Then when you're leaving, you see Elton in your rearview mirror driving back to college. You're like, oh man, this sucks. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I agree. And as a person that has been lucky enough to travel the world, like I mean, I've seen, I've been, you know, in numerous countries yep. and and on you know a lot of different continents, and I I've I've been able to 
travel the world. And, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, oh, like, you know, you, I live in New York City now and, and some of my friends there and people there are just like, well, you'd never move back to there, would you? And I was like, well, yeah, sure I would. And they're just yeah. like, well, why, like, what are you, will it happen? No, because I think the, the life that I've chosen and the life that I've now lead with like what I do for work and how mm-hmm. I kind of have fallen into all of this, it, sure, Elta's probably not the place I am going to end up in my life. But like, no, I, I have very good memories about this place and growing up around here that I look at much more fondly, obviously now, you know, when you look at it from, you know, a farther distance, the farther it gets away, the the kind of more perspective you have on it. But I really, truly do. It's a magical little town. It has a lot to offer, uh, you know, if in when you when it comes down to it, you can make you can make whatever you want of it sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And now definitely, you know, people are like, well, man, there's people that just live, live there their whole lives. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's my parents. Yeah, they like like and they love it. And they, you know, they they are accustomed to what they're accustomed to here. But there is a lot of great things like I think raising a family in an environment like this mm-hmm. can be super helpful, you know, and, and to me a lot as a person that now is on the, uh, the beginning cusp of having children, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think about it a lot now. I'm yeah. like, man, I would definitely maybe prefer to raise my kids in this environment than I would an environment uh, of New York city because it's, you know, it's the same sort of things, but uh, just on a grander scale yeah. of what they can get into. And, you know, I think that little thing of, every, like you were saying, everybody knows everybody is so helpful when you have raising kids. Very true. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's plenty of times I try to get away with yeah. the world, <laughs> you know, uh, with my parents and, you know, the neighbors would tell on me, you yeah. know, or somebody's parent that happened to be driving by you know the house or driving by like another place we were all at would see us you know and sometimes we wouldn't even be getting into trouble but you'd get home and your parents would be like why were you there you're like how did how in the world did you know i you didn't leave the house tonight like how did you know that like i was there you know it's always just like you know elsa's eyes are watching you (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh man a hundred percent it's like they were definitely as a as a kid man just growing up just the things that we could also the things we could get away with there's yeah. a lot of things we did as as youths <laughs> in this world that we there's you cannot do in a, a big town like i brought it up to friend. i mean even uh random jobs and things we would do yeah but uh, trying to go to a, a major city and try to tell someone that you rogue into tasseled <laughs> Try to see what they do, what they how how they react, and they're just kind of like, you know, you get like that like meme of what's his name, where he's like, what what's going on right now? Like, what did he say? Do you you like do you work for Star Wars? What did you say? Like, you know, it's like, no, no, I rogued into tassel. Like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm just like they have no idea what that means, and like that to me is, yeah, as as someone that yeah, especially you 
I mean, you grew up a farmer, you know, living on a farm, yep. you know, a working farm. You know it better than I did because I, I didn't ever grow up on that. Like, you bailed some hay. Yeah, but like the stories you could tell, the, the ones that I, you know, I couldn't even tell. Just I could, I would be like, oh, I had friends that bailed hay or I had friends that, you know, worked on a pig farm and moved all the dead pigs around. I'm like, what? What? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like trying to like tell a trust fund kid that from New York, they're just like, mm, doesn't yeah. sound like a fun life. Yeah, they're like that. That sounds like you were living in like hell. Like, yeah. oh, no, it's great. Love every second. It's the best. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But no, I a uh, little bit. Yeah, I live in New York City now. I have been there for five years. I would say five years or so. Um, maybe not quite five or right at five. And I love it. I used to visit there all the time work wise and, um, met my wife and, uh, decided pretty quickly. I was like, if I'm going to make this work, I got to move out there. And, uh, I did. And within, yeah, like no time of living out there, I was living with her and we were kind of making it work. We moved around and then COVID happened. COVID and, happened. Uh, we decided to do the opposite of what everybody else did that just was like, I'm moving out of New York City. And uh, we were like, we're moving deep. We're going to we're gonna, we're go, we're going straight to Manhattan. You know? Let's do it. <laughs> I wanted to live. I think when I moved to New York, too, it was always my, I like, it was like, well, if I move to New York City, I want to live in Manhattan and I want to live where the Ninja Turtles live. And I want to, <laughs> that's like in my mind, I was like, I want to see uh you know smoking manhole covers i want taxi drivers honking their horns i want the ninja turtles the full experience i want to see spider-man like that was like (laughs) as the most naive dumb you know midwesterner guy where i'm like oh man what's what's actually i want to be in it and then i get to new york and realize really quickly it's like i cannot afford to live here and (laughs) i cannot afford to live in this city um and then randomly yeah the world shut down and everybody moved out and we kind of lucked into a very typical New York story of like, we knew this person that knew this person that was like, Hey, do you want a apartment that overlooks central park? And I was like, well, yeah. Well, who doesn't? Yeah. But we can't afford that. So like, no, I mean, sure. Like we would love to do it. (laughs) And then, uh, it, we had all worked out for us in our favor and yeah, now we have a really great apartment and it's awesome. I love where we live, you know, that's awesome. Being able to like look up and see, wake up every morning and see trees, you know, out looking in directly into central park. It's cool. I, I love it. I wish I was obviously closer to like my family and stuff, but like as for being in like a entertainment capital city that I needed to be in for work, can't beat it. It's great. I've lived, I mean, I've spent so much time in LA and it's just not for me. I've like we we kind of even talked about moving out there, and it's just not for me. I like New York. It's like a little dirtier, a little grimier. The still people get a little cold, like the old Midwest. Yeah, it's still yeah, it gets cold, but that's it's it's different to me. It's I, someone had like explained it one time where it's like the people in New York are rude, but they're real. Yeah, people in L.A. they're rude, but they're fake. Yeah. And I, I'll take I'll take the I'll take the rude and real over the rude and the fake, and I think that's why we settled on New York and just have stayed there. And now, 
yeah, we'll probably be there for quite some go. time. Speaking of uh, rude but real, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Oh, Did you see that yesterday? Man, as legend, a, as a legend died. I know, Chico. Oh man, it big guy, uh, <laughs> dude. I as as a, uh, I would say now I'm a I it's I don't watch wrestling at all anymore, yep. which is a bummer. I wish I I almost wish I still did, yeah, because like, I was. You know, like from the ages of like 22 to 26, I was like a closeted wrestling fan. Fan, I had to like just kind of hide it. I don't know why. In my mind, I guess I thought it was a good idea to say, yeah. But you know, uh, yeah, massive, massive wrestling fan growing up, um, and still am, and still do love all of the old wrestling. You know, you could talk. I could sit here and do a whole podcast on just like the years of 1995 oh, yes. to like 2005 the attitude like, era yeah i mean that the wcw i i mean i yeah i monday night as like as a kid like i remember going to school on mondays like being so stoked to be able to go home that night <laughs> and then just be ready to watch wrestling and my mom bless her heart was like oh for my brother and i was just like no like you're not watching wrestling ever. <laughs> so she made this really bizarre move where she was like, you can't watch wrestling anymore, but then gave us these tiny, and I, I, you'll probably remember them. They're like, they were like those 13 inch tube TVs. Oh yeah. Like the little tiny ones. Oh yeah. Like they were like so small, put two of them in our, one in my room and one in my brother's room. And I remember eight o'clock would hit. Well, seven o'clock would hit. Cause that's when WCW would start. WCW was three hours. And so we would at seven o'clock would hit and I'd watch that first hour of WCW. And then it was just nonstop two hours of just previous channel. I mean, that previous channel button had been so worn, out so worn out on that remote of mine because <laughs> I would just be in my bedroom back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this is the days of pre cell phones, pre anything. Oh yeah. So then I had to wait another, you know, not to bring him back up again, but like, you know, I had to wait the Thomas. whole next Yes, I had to wait the whole next day to finally get back to school to see my buddy Thomas to be like, "Did you watch? Did you see?" And he would be like, "Oh, he's like, "Did you see?" Yeah, he's like, "Shawn Michaels, man." And I'm like, "Oh, dude, Shawn Michaels, you know?" And just like, "Yeah, it's like, oh, sweet chin music and everybody last night, you know?" And he's, you know, we would you know, I would walk around flipping people off like I was stone cold and just like, you know, thought I was the coolest and I, it's funny is I have more probably mem- wrestling memorabilia oh, yeah. shirts and random things now. And I never did in, in school because I could never go. Because my mom was just like, your brother and you have broken way too many of these bed frames. Yeah. And so we're just Don't not going to. Wi fights. Yeah. So you're just not going to. Grass stain in the blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. Brett was a part of them. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to your other co host, yeah. Brett. He was definitely a part of them with my neighbor growing up. But you just roll over to Kerr McGee. Oh yeah, they you had the best. They about. had the best section. Yeah, you want to talk about one of the greatest selections? I where are those videos now? That's I what know. I really would like to know. Rex, sexy Rexy, dude, owner of Kerr McGee. Yeah, he's probably Nesbitt got household the kept that place in business for years. Yeah. I think from two thousand, well, I'd have to say about two thousand eleven through probably twenty fourteen, I went there twice a week. I'd say probably four movies a week. DVDs. Just, oh, yep. Wow. Constant. I didn't, I didn't, those red box was coming out. I said, no, screw red box. Shop local. Everybody wins. Yes. I like it. Shop local. That's no longer, right? Nope. Okay. And I mean, uh, I don't even know what it is now. Man, he, his VHS selection, 
Hundreds. It was it was it was our blockbuster. Yeah, it was. it was. It was our blockbuster. It was. It had everything. Professional wrestling yeah. pay per view VHS. And every new release that ever came out, he had them all. Yeah. Did he have a dirty dirty movie section? He had a dirty section. Yeah. But oh, it wasn't man. hidden. It was just like was right beside hidden. the yeah. wrestling <laughs> it section. Was. Well, because I remember as you got older. So any five year old could walk by and yeah, see it. <laughs> I, I do kind of remember as we got older. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Um, Can you imagine the stones that people had back in the day to go get one of those and then stand there while someone checked them out? That's an awkward five minutes. Okay. Okay. Back to this area. (laughs) I can tell, by the way, that this is going to be like a six-part podcast. I I love it. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. I love it. I, we'll um, get to we'll get to a few career things, but we'll, I, we'll get there down the road. Yeah, but we're talking about growing up here yeah. in the small town. We'll get like to what it. we do, we'll like get to a, it down the road. Uh, as part of a small town, I think I probably had one of the most awkward jobs when I was working at the movie gallery. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. The movie gallery did have a dirty movie section, <laughs> and I worked there. And as like a seven or an eighteen year old working there uh I'll, I'll say that i know for a fact a few people would come in and see that i'm working and then just not go back there because they would come in and then they wouldn't rent anything you could tell it was going and i on. was like that was weird and I then i think about it for a minute <laughs> i and, could read between the lines well then i would i would just <laughs> you know i'd see them and then instantly type their name into the computer and then boom <laughs> i would see the list of you know the dirty movies they had rented before and i was like oh okay i get this and one of the most awkward ones the one of the most awkward ones was i had started getting my hair cut in storm lake i i, I don't know this woman's name uh, and I, I don't really, I don't, I'm not going to describe her, <laughs> but like, it was just, uh, I started getting my haircut <laughs> over there by a woman and she was very pleasant, very cool. Yeah. was really good. was younger, not very old. And her and her husband came in one night and I was about ready to close and they came in and they were pretty, you could tell they'd been like out partying, having a good time. Mm-hmm. And went to the back and then brought up like four or five. And then I, uh, first off in my mind, I'm like four or five. Like what? (laughs) Like question mark. Like, why do you need so many? But talk about a nightcap. Yeah. I was just like, well, okay. You know, but I could never, I never had the guts to go back and get my hair cut by her again. I never went back. I don't blame. I just, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't look at her. I couldn't, That'd be weird. Yeah. It was like, I, I feel like I even said to somebody during that time, I was just like, uh, that, that ruined, that ruined. And I was like, that ruined, that hurt. Like, why would you do that to me? Like, you know, I was like, go to the other one. Also, send your husband in if you see me standing in there. You know, <laughs> I don't know your husband. So just like oh. send him in. Like, why send, why do you have to come in and ruin my haircut experience from now on like because i remember i had an appointment and i just like called up right away i was like nope canceled not going in not doing this no. like i'm gonna be sick uh today and every other day yeah you're right it's like no you, you can cut my hair while i'm just sitting there thinking about man you rented that movie like you know i can't remember the names oh of them but gosh. it's like you know it's like they it's, um, I, I, they all have the the wildest titles you know and you're uh, just like oh, yeah. you're, you're expecting Oh yeah, nothing but the worst. Yep. Yeah. This is a this is a perfect segue. So you know we we grew up in Alta. We did speech, sports, all that good stuff. And you can kind of tie into it after I ask this question. But 
you said, was it movie gallery? All right. So I remember you working at movie gallery while you were going to BB after high school. Okay. So I don't know how much, did you go to BB for a full year before going to Florida? Half. Okay. So you did half a semester. So I remember you were at movie gallery, BV, and maybe you weren't quite sure what you were doing with your life. Well, then all of a sudden you decide we're heading to Florida. Because I remember you working in a movie gallery, right? Like around when you decided you were going to go to Florida. And that kind of, I mean, I guess that's probably like kind of the starting point to the rest of your life. For sure. So, yeah. I, And I don't know if you had like aspirations in high school of doing stuff you're doing now or while no. you were working in a movie gallery or BV or how it all worked out. But maybe you can kind of let us know how yeah. from the movie gallery days to, to Florida, how it worked. Yeah. How I ended up from movie gallery to the... Uh, Full sail. Yeah, what the I call the, the the butthole of America, Florida, where it's just <laughs> hot and moist and gross the whole time you're there. You're just like, oh, why are we here? Why do people live here? Um, no, I, I had no. I think one thing. It's probably better now, um, but one thing I think with high school that I never got out of it, which I wish I probably would have. And, and maybe they do a better job of it now with people is, uh, pushing you into maybe the right direction instead of just saying you have to go to college. I'm with you. Um, 100% because There's I, nothing against our teachers or our high school, but I, I think that's common in high schools. I do. And especially smaller town high schools. Yeah. I think it's just like, be the person that goes to college. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted. I'm, I'm on the record on this podcast saying I hate college. Yeah, I, think I it's guess it's a complete waste for like 60 percent of people. For sure, I and I definitely agree. I think it's definitely a waste when you're 18 years old. Yeah, I think it's an absolute waste of time. Um, I think it, things would probably be better for some people. A, a lot of the majority of college kids, if you weren't allowed to go to college till like you were 21. Yeah, like take two, three years to figure out. Yeah, why you're working? How and, like, dumb you either are, or how like yeah, how much it, like, do you really want to do it? What do I want to do? Maybe. Totally agree, and um, I left just knowing that I had to do something, and I had a football scholarship yeah. to go play football, and I just was like, nah. Like I'm, oh, man. I, I I'll say this: I think my dad is still probably pretty bent out of shape about that, in the sense that like it was school was paid for yeah and i get that and as a kid then i couldn't as an 18 year old again it's like you couldn't have you could not have told me or no one no one could have actually explained it perfectly for me at 18 years old that that was their smartest choice no because it's free you know i was too stubborn i was too dumb i I was never going to figure that out uh and a lot of people some you know, there's a lot of kids that we graduated high school with that were way more mature than that and obviously probably understood that, but I wasn't. I was yeah. one of the, I think, more of the average of what the person was kind of like. And so I just was like, well, I have to go to college. And I went to college, you know, close by and was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I will become this. And I was like, well, but I, at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what this is. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And... Went to college for a while, uh, like a, a short time, and was working at the same time at Movie Gallery. And I was working at High V. I was working at, you know, shout out, love High V. Wish we had High V's in New York. 
the best. Gosh, I wish we had Hy-Vee's in New York. I'd do anything for Hy-Vee's some days. Great. Um, Fried chicken. Yeah, anything. Absolutely on You know, point. just like a real grocery store. Yeah. It's like, I just would love to see one, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I actually, the one of the first things we did when I landed in Des Moines was when our buddy picked up me up. Des Moines Hy-Vee's are like we a went, true we went, yeah. experience. Yes. Yeah. Like, we went to like one. A and I was good like, two-hour experience. Yeah. And I was like, this is what a grocery store should be. Yes, sir. And I was like, this is what I wish I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was so, he was like laughing. He's like, you are very excited to go to Hy-Vee. <laughs> I was like, yes, I am. I was like, I cannot wait. Um, it's, it's a little bit better than the bodega down the street. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, so I, you know, I it was just this dumb kid, didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, thought that I knew what I wanted to do, um, was really immature and was... I think I don't even really remember I wanted to be in film. Yeah. I wanted to write and direct movies. Mm-hmm. Uh is what I ultimately thought that that's what my plan was going to be. And I was like that is that's me. I'm going to do that. Like uh I loved movies. I loved watching movies, you know. Uh, wish somebody would have told me also at the same time. It's like cool just because you love watching movies doesn't mean you you're going to make it, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I have always kind of been able to talk myself into just going for it. It's like, just go. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to do it. And I Never will... Know unless you try. Yeah. And so I... My parents always told me, we're, we're not paying for your college. Like, we wish we could, but, like, we're just not. My parents, like, are not poor people, but, like, they're just like, we're not going to pay for it. Like, we... Yeah can't really afford it but we'll we'll sign the documents which i think is also just like a big thing they're like we'll sign it and you know if you default i guess you know like we we are we're on the hook for it but you know they're like we're not going to give you money and guess what if you default on it we'll kill you uh so um, one way or another yeah one way or other you're like gonna you'll never (laughs) see the earth the sun again or you'll just like pay this so i I had kind of started digging up some information on schools around the United States. And I thought, man, I don't like college either. I I was very much in the same boat. Like, it's not that I didn't like college. I thought, I was like, why am I like, this is dumb. Like, why am I learning about like some, you know, algebra stuff? And I was like, I want to be, a film director or whatever, you know, when I get yeah. older is what I thought in my mind. Or I want to like work on movies. Like this is so dumb that I'm like having to write like papers about, you know, a random, you know, history events that yeah. I was like, this is stupid, you know? And I was like, this is, I, I really got in my head about it. And so I quit college and, uh, my mom was, you know, not, she wasn't happy by any means, but she was like, you need to figure out what you're doing then. And like now. Yeah. And so I spent a couple days on the internet and started looking up film schools. And I was planning on going to this one in California. Um, we actually, I think my mom may have even had tickets like purchased, like plane tickets purchased to go visit the school. And I had found it because I essentially like typed in, Film school, not college. <laughs> I think it's like one of the exact words. Because I was like, I don't want to go to college. 
how do I go to film school, you know? And they eventually, you know, this one in California popped up, but then this one in Florida had popped up. And uh, I don't know if my mom or somebody that I was like originally going to school with at BV was like, oh, I know somebody that goes there or something. Somebody knew somebody that went there. I kind of, I vaguely remember that story, but I can't remember 100% the connection. Yeah. It, it was like, I, somebody, I think your mom found out about Full Sail before you, right? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. I, I do too. I think it was like, she found it and was like, okay, let's go take a look at this school. It feels a little bit more up your alley. Yeah. Like, let's go figure this out. And her and my stepdad, we flew to Florida. We went and looked at it and I knew really quickly it was the spot for me. Um, yeah. The way they taught, and it's a, it's a lot of people are like, you went to a place called Full Sail College or whatever, and it's like, yeah, but I walked out with a bachelor's degree. That's what's even crazier, like a real full blown bachelor's degree. And they, in their film school, what I liked about it was, uh, eventually, was it wasn't geared. If you went there to be a writer or a director, they, they're like, you, this isn't the school for you, because yeah. a, nobody just becomes a writer and director for the most part. Some writers are just writers. But, you know, a lot of times those people work on the film crew and then they become, you know, what yeah. they what they become. Uh, and that's what they teach you. They teach you how to work with the high end cameras. They teach you how to work with audio equipment. They teach you how to work with lighting, uh, sound effects, um, you name it, anything, grips, you know, best boys, electricians, you know, learning how to like wire things correctly. Sure. It's like. You would learn a lot of the, you know, so you do four hours of theory and then depending on how big your class was, uh, it would be, you would either do it from, you know, right afterwards or you would wait, you'd go home for four hours and then come back four hours later for four more, you know, hours of class or whatever it would be, or, or labs is what they called it. it sure. It's like class and then labs is how it worked. You'd directly apply it that day you know it's it's they teach you how to well i mean speaking of wrestling wwf or e what it is now their development center is on the campus yeah all those things are shot by students all those like nxt things it's all school that's all shot on the school where i went to school i knew it was in florida but i didn't know it was there that's cool it's all it's all i've i've been there since they've opened it up it's crazy it's like this is insane that this is what these students get to learn and do um yeah it was it was a cool uh experience and it was tough and man you know i look back on it now i definitely jumped at the opportunity to go do it but it was my mom and my dad who uh pushed the baby bird out of the nest yeah and was like mm, i hope he flies you know because <laughs> you gotta do i remember the night i left um morning you left yeah, the morning. I we left. all we yeah, all had a right. we had a send yeah. off, remember? You did, yeah. <laughs> but wasn't the night before like a football game? Yeah, there was, and we all hung out. We and all stuff. like hung out and watched it, and then, but like so, I, I remember that night after everybody had left, my mom and I like, me giving my mom a hug and just like crying, yeah, being like I'm scared to go. Dude, that's a huge and step. She was just like at 19 years old. Too. Yeah, she that's was just a like, huge step. Yeah, too bad. Yeah. yeah, no, she was not. She was crying too, but she was just like, "You have to go. Yeah, like you, please just go do it. You're gonna do good. Like, please go." Yeah, and I was like, "Man, I'm moving from Iowa, little town, to Florida. 
Orlando. And I was like, I, you go yeah. from having all your, well, not all, but a lot of your family around to you're on your own. Yes. Meet and people and make it work. Yeah. And, uh, oddly enough, my little brother and dad, I'm <coughs> sorry. They drove me. Yeah. We drove straight from Fl- I- Elta, Iowa to Orlando, Florida. In the S10. In, no, no. He, this, Wait, he it wasn't a, the S10. It was an Explorer? It was an Explorer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it was his. Yeah. Know, we followed you out of town dad. with yeah. our flashers on. And Send off. They, uh, we, bless my dad's heart, but he could have cared less. He was like, you're going, you know? And like, the best part was, is that whole drive, you got to think about what you're about to do. And it's 20 hours away or 24 hours away. Yeah. And credit to my dad. He drove, we drove like 18 hours, 19 hours that first day. <laughs> we drove from, I mean, maybe we stopped, but I, I want to say we drove almost from like, we drove from Elta, Iowa to Gainesville, Florida. <laughs> like I mean, or Ocala, Florida, which is even farther south. And, but I mean, we drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and we got there. And, you know, the next morning we woke up, dad took me to my apartment and was like, I need a bed. Okay, cool. Went and bought a bed for me, met my roommates. And by 1 p.m., my dad and brother were gone on the road back back to Iowa. It was like, Sweet just like, drop me a, off later. Okay. He is a different breed. Yes. Uh, I. He's loving. Yes, he's, he But he's, he's, he's just, he knows how he wants to do it his way. Yep. You're doing it his way or no way. And, you know, yeah. if you don't want to do it, no way. That's cool with him, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but no, they dropped me off and I was just thrown in the deep end of like kind of life of, you know, there's no parents. There's no nothing. Yeah, I'm going to make this what this is. And I took that to heart. I think down there I was like, I got to study. I got to figure this out. I got to go to all my classes. Mm-hmm. I can't skip stuff. You know, the other cool thing about Full Sail, again, I don't know if they still do it, but when I w- was going there is if you missed three classes that month, you failed sick or not. Dang. Whether you could get a doctor's note and they'd be like, don't care. That's some accountability right there. So they make you like show up and they were like, yeah, which is probably what you have to do in the industries that they teach. For sure. You got to be there. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah. Fast forward a little bit. Then I ended up, uh, you know, graduating from there. Um, got done, came back, and didn't know exactly how, what the next step was. Of well, you got, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. While you were, so you went for film stuff, but you got it right. into music stuff. Like, yeah. was not soundboard management or you're a tour manager right now, right? Yeah. But for yeah. there for a while, you were like running the sound of the lights and I all that for I managed the show. Chicago River Tours, like on the boats. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I was <laughs> I say, no, that's not what I do. If you do, that's dope. Uh, I want to come no. on one. <laughs> but when I tell people that sometimes, like I've had somebody say to me, <laughs> that they go oh what do you do and i was like oh i i it's hard to explain without really being if i dive really deep into it and be exactly explain how what i do on a daily basis but the only way i kind of grasped it was i remember once you showed me i was five years ago maybe you showed me a spreadsheet of a tour you were working on and it it was too much for me to handle yeah it was overload for my brain (laughs) it's um uh it's funny because i I the, the joke of the Chicago River thing is I had told uh, I'll never forget it. Someone on a flight was like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I was like, "Well, I'm a tour manager for bands." I'm like, oh, so you give the 
you work on the boats in the river? And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, you're a tour manager? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tour, tour manager. And they're like, so you, you, yeah, so they're, and I said bands and they maybe heard boats. I don't know, but like, they were just like, so you give the tours on the the river in Chicago? And I was like, what? And I think I was like, the thing was too, I was like, I feel like we were on a flight to like Nashville. And it was like, where'd you get Chicago out of this? You know, but like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, at that point, I was like, I'm just going with this. I was like, yeah, I just, if That's my you, answer from yeah, here on out. You ever need a boat trip tour? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm the tour manager for that. Like I'll get you taken oh, care of. Man. But I, I did. I switched. Before tour manager, you're running the boards and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I had switched in college, like you said. I actually switched there and ended up graduating with a degree in what was show production touring with a music management, uh, degree as well. It was all kind of encompassed each mm-hmm. other. Um, but I. Yeah, got out of that and left and didn't really know what I was going to do. Moved back here for like a month. And then uh, my aunt and uncle were living in Kansas City at the time. And I got hired on as a production person that worked for just a company down there that did uh, events, live events, concerts, uh, worked in churches, worked in, you know, a lot of like the really big churches down there. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I would run sound, I would run lighting boards, I would fix lights, I would fix consoles and, you know, I I would, I would just like I could fix everything and run the audio for a band and do all this stuff. And and that's how I got my start. My my first ever tour I went on and when I kind of switched and made the switch was I went out on tour with this band called Mute Math. Mm-hmm. And I was hired as a video guy to help out and the video guy I was working with was like hey man they need a guy that knows how to like run the audio board for the opening band and a lot of this industry is fake it till you make it sure and so i said oh i know how to do that yeah i've never seen one if you're given the opportunity you yeah gotta do it. and i had never at that point i was like well i know how audio should sound in my mind <laughs> you know? like, i've been to a concert uh and so i was like yeah i know what i'm doing and so I jumped behind the board and I mixed this band and I kind of like fell in love with it. I was like, well, this is cool. And then directly after that show, I remember the band being like, yeah, we're cool, man. We don't, you know, I sucked. I was terrible. Yeah. But I, uh, I've never heard this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, so I went back and finished school, switched the degree. And then it was like, from there on out, I was like, boom, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become better at this so that bands will want to hire me. I'm going to be yeah. a lighting guy. I'm yeah. like, I loved lighting shows. I still design them. Like I ran, I mean, we'll get into that at some point, but like I still loved doing that stuff. And I, uh, yeah, started kind of working for this company in Kansas city and I was living with my aunt and uncle and they were, you know, one thing that I had leaving that school and me and you had talked about it earlier today was debt, like $95,000 in debt. And as like a 20 year old, 21 year old, you're like, that seems like you're in your mind. You're like, that's not real. You can't actually think of that in terms of 2000, what was it? Seven, eight, 2007 years. That's like 150,000 now probably. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I was like, I, that money, that, that, um, that number was like, nah, that's not real. (laughs) But I knew that my parents weren't going to help me, which I knew was a good thing. And I have a great family and 
a great extended family, as you know, too. Like I have, yeah, a, I'm very sure. close with my aunts and uncles and, yep. um, you know, my aunt and uncle were in Kansas city and they were like, come live with us for a while. And, and, you know, yeah, your family to, is super, super close. Yeah. Well, my mom's one of nine Yeah, and, and they're all nine of them are extremely close, which is yep. kind of crazy. And, you know, I'm very close to my cousin. So I, my aunt and uncle were just like, yeah, come down here. They were like super cool about it. I lived in their basement for off and on for years um, because I didn't know what I was going to do, but I li- worked in Kansas City for about a year full time and then was hired finally on my first official tour as a lighting guy and got for... to uh, the first real one was All That Remains. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really familiar. It was like death metal. All right. I've probably never heard terrible. it. Um, hey, whatever pays the bills. Yeah. And bad humans. Just terrible <laughs> human beings. Just like the worst of the worst of human <laughs> beings. Um, but I I went out and I I went out and did this and, you know, got the taste of it. And I was like, I'm never going. I'm not. I'm, that's This is what I will do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like is what I thought. Um, and then bounced around and worked for a bunch of different bands and then worked in Kansas City when I'd come home. And, uh, I kept doing that. I kept doing that and would, you know, I'd work with this band and I'd work with that band and work with this band. And then I finally caught a break. Um, and I don't even know what year it was. I really don't, but I caught a weird break where I, I knew that to make money, like to make really, really good money faster than like just being a lighting guy. Cause you've got to work your way up. Or, yeah. or catch a catch a really good break, yeah. Um, a word of mouth, you know, sort of thing. Was I needed to become a tour manager, and I'd been on tours where the tour manager is the boss of the tour, and they're dealing with not only the lighting and everything, but they're they're in charge of the band, they're in charge of the crew, they're in charge yeah. of the bus driver, they're in charge of the booking the hotels, the flights, the. Uh, dealing with the the labels, the agents, like everything. And I was like, man, okay, I have to be able to do that if I'm going to make real money at this and, yeah. and fast. So I had this weird break um, where a band hired me to be a uh, front of house guy and uh, What's that mean? a sound and their, to mix their sound out front. So is that is that like the guy... Sometimes, like you see him inside, like a plexiglass booth in the middle of the crowd. Yes. Is that yeah, it? That's right. him. I'm not uh, saying they're always like that, but they're never in a plexiglass booth. booth. I promise you that. If they're, they're a, if they're in a plexiglass uh, plexiglass booth, there is something going wrong. Oh, okay. Because if they're inside of that, the sound that they're hearing Terrible. is wild. Okay. You know? Maybe I'm thinking of drummers. Drummers are in those. Okay. Because drum shields are just to get the bleed out of the microphones. Drummer, I'm just selfishly, always thinking of the drummers. Yes, yeah, that's totally fair. But I. Uh, no, they that is what the front of the front of house engineer, little tech ter- talk. Front of house engineer is uh the person that's mixing what the audience hears. Oh, okay. Uh the monitor engineer on a tour is what he is mixing what the band hears on stage. Oh, that's okay. totally different. Yeah, it is. And um and then if you hear like, oh, there's the LD, that's the lighting director mm-hmm. and that's the person usually running the lights but i've been on tours where we've had lighting director we've had a laser director we've had a pyro engineer 
we had uh special effects engineer which essentially is running like cryo and like uh like shooting off like like yeah. you know co2 sure playback engineers which are guys that are uh you see it more in rap but they okay. they essentially are playing tracks for them but the, it's it's a it's one of the most thankless jobs i just was the other night one of my friends one of my really good friends is a uh, front of house engineer for this rapper baby keem is a uh, kendrick lamar's cousin oh and we they were actually playing at my wife's venue and i went down there and we were hanging out and i i met the the playback engineer and i just was like I, I wanted so bad to give him a hug because i just was like man i know you get no love but if anything goes wrong you're gonna be fired yeah because it's one of the most stressful jobs because essentially what he's doing is the monitor engineer is mixing for what he's hearing what's coming to him mm-hmm. but what that guy's doing is not only listening to like the mix of what he's hearing on stage the rapper's hearing but he's like speeding up and slowing down the tracks real time and starting and stopping them without any warning most nights. Just like by just listening to what's happening. Well, you got to be on your game. You have to be very good. Put your phone away. You're not. Don't pay you attention not to anything but the music. Except you are just zoned in, you know. And then there's, there's, yeah, there's playback engineers. There's rigging guys who are rigging all the, the truss, trussing and the lights. And then there's, yeah. there's so many people that work on a tour there's merchandise there's you know all yeah. these things that happen but i yeah i like caught this kind of break of this really young pop band out of new york needed a jonas brothers <laughs> no it was a <laughs> band actually called push play uh shout out to those humans who will never hear this but they uh they Still know them uh yeah two of them live in new york yeah. actually two of them came to a shaky grave show randomly nice. didn't know I, they didn't even know i worked for him it was really really <laughs> random that's awesome uh but they uh <laughs> they came to a yeah they came to a show but i essentially was like i can be the tour manager of your act and applied to be it or like was they had hit me up and wanted to know if i could do audio and i was like no no i'll be your tour manager and they were like oh okay they're like can you do both and i was like yes of course i can double dip more money yeah uh i couldn't um <laughs> but i w- i learned a ton yeah. and i and they fortunately just hung with me they didn't fire me and then they were on a, not a huge label but they were on a pretty big label and they had a big push um from their label and radio because they had like two radio hits and then we spent uh I don't know, like a month or two opening up or for Justin Bieber when he was like 16 years old doing arena shows. And that was kind of the launch board into the rest of my career was like, after that people were like, Oh, they like knew that band. And then that band has like a little bit bigger success. And then this one has bigger success. And then they're like, Oh, okay. And then that's how, so they opened, you said they opened for Bieber. Yeah. Didn't you, that reminds me. Didn't you work at a like a festival or something where Bieber was at when he was like still kind of relatively unknown? Yeah, yeah. And you like saw him before he blew up into. I saw everyone in the freaking world knows him. I now. saw Justin Bieber play at Louisville Live. I don't know how old he was at the point. At this point, I know that he had been discovered by Usher already. Yeah, but he was playing Louisville live 
and he had to have been like 14 yeah he was very young and i remember walking out there and nobody knew who in my mind like no like not in my mind like nobody even the band i was with really didn't know who they were and they were young they were younger than i was and like uh you know, it was like, oh, this little kid's just going to get on stage and dance. Like, this is weird, you know? <laughs> and you walk outside, and it was a roar of little girls. Really? It's all you could hear. You make a lot of money doing that. And it was like, what in the world, you know? And more power to that guy for being alive. Yeah. I mean, because it's a crazy life to live, being like that young and like not, you, you being that young to where he is now, and you can't step outside. Yeah. Because wherever you stand, chaos. Yeah, and it's like you know, people. I, I know some people probably around here are like, well, you could move to Elta and be totally fine. It's like, no, you couldn't. No, like that's not how that works. You could not like, live. That in is Elta. not. He could, a couldn't live here. It might not be hundreds of thousands of people staring at you, but you're going to be swarmed. That and people will find you. Oh yeah, they will definitely find you. You know, so it's like, uh, and the thing is, is like he also works, so it's like he's got to be in a bigger city. So yeah. I, I heard somebody. I remember like when I said oh i did that and kind of explained the whole thing where i was like felt kind of bad for him someone was like well you can move to like a small town like this and i was like bro you gotta you gotta think think outside the box here a little bit because like what are you saying but anyways <laughs> do gigs in cherokee and star yeah i just uh <laughs> but yeah then i mean it's been kind of a wild ride i've worked in you know i worked for a bunch of folk things i was lucky enough to do a full run with mumford and sons which was really cool. That's like not awesome. at their height of their career, but pretty. They were still very yeah, well. They were known. still well well known. I, I mean, remember when they had they had some big hits when you were with them. Yeah, and then and it, I was, it was kind of cool to tell people like, yeah, one of my good buddies is. Yeah, I was them. able to like kind of parlay that into, and I just did audio there. I wasn't tour managing or anything like that, but I was able to kind of like run that into working for this company in out in Los Angeles that was you know had a lot of big DJs, so I was able to do a bunch of stuff like that, which was great. And then it all kind of led to where I am now. Uh, and I've been with the same artist for six years, at least. Mm-hmm. I've been with this artist longer than I know my wife, which is crazy to me. Because uh, I love her a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I just... Uh, Good answer. Yeah, no, I it's the truth. And also, I it's weird because I actually recently... He's not going to ever hear this, but like... I had a conversation with, did I make the right call in staying with him as long as I have? Because I was paid so well. And I, in my mind, who you're with now, which is who again? uh, It's an artist called Shaky Graves. Shaky Graves. What music genre is that? Uh, Folk rock ish sort of stuff. I like Um, that. And the the answer is yes. Uh, Ultimately, yes, because he's a friend now, uh, a very good friend, but also has taken care of me financially extremely well and and i i will this will be my last job as touring you know i don't know what the next yeah i don't know what the next sort of thing holds but it'll definitely be my last job i ever take touring i I, I wonder however long he works is what you're saying no um or I think after my, that, you'll I think be my time i think my time touring is coming to an end very soon okay. i think i'm going to probably just go back to working in New York and the music industry there. A lot of and, opportunity. Yeah. And I have jobs. I mean, I have, I have, oppor- I've, I've been offered gigs and, and different, uh, like, you know, salary jobs, just like working yeah. for either management companies or things like that. But I, 
Yeah, it'll be the last. But I, I there's a times I do kind of look back and be like, you know, like I've been offered random gigs, you know, of like way bigger profiled people. But I you want to give some names or not? Um, you don't have to if you don't want. No, nah, because like I never ended up working for them. Sure, you know. And so like I, I, but I, but yeah, I mean like I, you know, holler at me in my DMs and I'll tell you, <laughs> you know. But uh, but I. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. I've worked for a lot of these people, too, just in, like, other gigs. And I've actually gone out with other bigger artists that are still massive, you know. But I, yeah. I've i stayed with him because I I enjoy enjoy working for him. Like, I, I think he's one of the most creative people I've ever met. I think sometimes, like all people, we get lost a little bit. And he's gotten lost, and so have I. We've all yeah. gotten lost, you know. I think he's an amazing dude, though. He's, he's fantastic. I just think... Uh, yeah, I I don't I definitely don't regret it, but like there's somebody brought it up to me recently and I had never really thought about it and I was like, "Oh, did I like should I have taken like higher profile gigs?" Nah, I got paid great and I love what I do and I love yeah. who I work for. I love the company that I've been able to like keep on the on my like work place front. Yeah. It's like I love them all. So, Pedersen Luck. <sighs> Pedersen Luck segment is brought to you by Moonlight Lawn Care which is owned and operated by Steve Botcher. He uh, will take care of all of your aeration, spraying, seeding, and fertilization needs for your yard. Uh, He does not mow, so just his main four are aeration, spraying, seeding, and fertilizing. And you can get a hold of Steve for all of your lawn care needs at 712-749-0698. That is Moonlight Lawn Care. I wondered... uh... I've always wondered, like in your, in the entertainment industry, every industry is cutthroat, but in the entertainment industry, I feel like it's, it can be like super cutthroat. There's probably a lot of fakes. And I've always wondered like how many of these groups like have been together, like, are they going to be like one of those groups that's like together 15 years or when you see a group is like, yeah, they've been with these people five months. Like how many of them have been like are, are a true family and if guys like turn down a bunch more money from someone else because they're just happy with where they're at and they know it's rare to maybe find that i don't know is that very like what you found with shaky is that kind of rare yeah i i think so um uh, yeah i mean it really is rare because just look at my peers yeah and a lot of my peers are blown away about uh not blown away but are surprised at how much i get paid they're like wow like that's crazy that you make that much money and we've never heard you really complain about your job like you most of my friends that are tour managers that much in like a good way or a bad way in a good way okay and um they're like man you you know you make great money and you love it like you like working for this person yeah because and i was like yeah i was like he's uh as close as to as a friend can be at this point you know like he's he's a great person and we we get along really well we have same common interests and in, in a lot of things and i think he hires really good people um to be in his band and has done that and it is pretty rare i mean i i most of my friends that are you know specifically tour managers but also not other people that just work in the industry uh, bounce around constantly and just are going for the next highest paying gig, you know? And I kind of chose not to, when I met him, I knew I didn't really want to bounce around that much anymore. And I had met my wife soon after. 
and started dating her and a bit of that was uh i think part of it too because i was like oh, i don't want to like be taking all these gigs so i can like at least see her more you yeah. know and so um it helped out it was perfect timing that it all kind of worked out the way it did and i'm i could not be more thankful that it did work out the way it did mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm super happy with it that's one thing i'm a huge colin coward fan you know who that is yeah yeah the sports guy oh yeah massive colin coward fan and uh one thing he always talks about is how rare it is when you find chemistry and how if you find chemistry in life just always stick to it don't overthink don't try to run away from it maybe for a couple extra bucks because if you're with someone you have good chemistry with and you're making plenty of money things are good in life and you're happy you can't outrun the happiness and i think that's huge i yeah and i i definitely would agree with that and i definitely i think i would also add that those just because i've loved you know and love the person i you know enjoy the person i work with and and respect them and enjoy them doesn't mean that there haven't been tough times sure um there's been a lot of arguments there's been a lot of things that have happened in the years that i've worked for him but i think that uh you know i i just think that it's like one of those things that he is uh a true kind of just human being of like life too. Like he like gets it, you know? And he's like, I treats everybody the same, you know? And I, I think part of that, like, you know, when you're, you, you find the chemistry that is there for sure. Using that, you know, that word, Yeah, it's like, you know, don't be afraid to kind of push that person and then they push you and let, let that be like, part of that relationship because i think that also is a really great way to like Mm -hmm. how you see things grow um because it's i think some of those battles and in things that we've gone through together all of us collectively that work for uh you know in in this industry and with these people is is some of those uh, essentially build that bond you know even stronger where you're like yeah like i you know i'll you know randomly you know, I, I think back to not a, a very funny moment with, with Shaky Graves. One of the first tours I ever did with him was in Europe. And we were, we were, I don't want to say we were in like Germany or someplace. And there was a heckler in the crowd. <laughs> and I was doing audio for him at the time because we kind of trimmed everything down. Because he does, he does a show solo sometimes. Who heckles at a concert? Yeah. Yep. Uh, people that want to hear one song, you know, and they didn't, they didn't, they paid all, they paid only to hear that song and, uh, he hadn't played it yet. And so this person was like heckling him and all, all I could like hear and see was this person must've been way it was up front cause he could hear him and he was like, Hey man, like stop. Like he like stopped the show and was like, dude, stop. Like, what are you doing? Like made it kind of like awkward. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. what? And then the guy kind of was like, said something like in the sense, like whatever. And he was like, get out of here. And, uh, this fan like kind of almost like was like, you know, flexed up and I jumped over the side of the railing of the soundboard (laughs) and ran straight through the crowd with my merch guy. Like we were two biker bodyguards and we're essentially, we're going to just beat the crap out of this dude. And by the time we got to the front, he had like ran away. And 
I like know that still to this day, like, you know, my boss is like still kind of like looks at that as like a very funny, but like moment of like, he's like, all right, this guy's got my back, back, you know, if we need it. And I would, I would have done it. I would have like, I was prepared. I like, I jumped it and it was like, let's roll. I wouldn't say I jumped because at that time I was still definitely way heavier. I probably skipped over a railing. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't, but, uh. Yeah, so, and for the record, you're what six three? Is that what you call yourself? Yeah, six two, six two, six two and a quarter. We'll give you six three, uh, over two hundred pounds. So yeah, he's it's a presence coming at you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I people are, I'm, I'm a fake tough guy because like <laughs> you I are a teddy bear. Yeah, there's no real bone in my body that wants to fight. I always think I do at times. I'm like, oh, I would want to fight right now like I, <laughs> still to this day i get like weird moments where like I'm like gosh i hope somebody flexes on me so hard just so i can just tackle them you know but uh at the same time like uh, i'll do that and then get knocked out guaranteed um but uh no i i'm like a fake tough guy i'm just i look tough but i'm not like I'm not like I'm not here to fight anybody like i'm not like gonna do that like i'm like covered in tattoos and people are like Oh man, you must. I think that stigmatism is finally leaving, which I'm really glad it is. Of like, oh man, this dude's tattoos. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm literally head to toe covered in tattoos, but like, it doesn't mean I want to fight you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I remember in like though, like when I first like was started getting all these tattoos, going into bars, and like people like trying to start stuff with me because I was just do. big and full of tattoos. Dude, I've experienced like, that. Yeah, I'm just like, wait. I can't be nice and have tattoos or what, what's the deal here? Like, I got that, into a lot of fights in college. Just what I felt like they were self-defense. Yeah. Oh, for I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm someone who cannot have too many friends. Right. I want to go out and meet people like meeting people and talking to making new friends. is like a drug for me. And, and I'd find I'm, I'm six one. I mean, in college I was a good, a good three bills yeah. and uh, yeah, with the tattoos and people come up and, just like get in your face or just push you for no reason. It's like they're trying to like make a statement or something. Yeah, well they find the biggest guy there. Yeah. And and a lot of times I'll say now I'm I'm it's odd that at 35 I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been in my life. Like I constantly work out and lift weights and and am stronger than probably I've ever been, which is really random and strange, but I there's times where it's like Still, I'll get these like little Napoleons that will walk up to me, and I'm like, "What's your deal here?" It's like, "Did you just see I was big?" And they're just were like, "I'm gonna find the tallest guy in here, and I am gonna start a fight with him." And I was like, "Okay, you know." It's just like there's yeah, still random times where you know we'll I'll be on the road somewhere and out to dinner or you know at a bar with somebody and. We'll, we'll be minding our own business and, and be like, is this guy just staring at me? Like, is he, does he want to ask me a question or whatever? And then it's like, you come to find out, it's like the guy wanted to fight me. And it's like, what? Does he recognize me as Shaky Graves tour right. manager? Right. <laughs> am I that famous here in like, you know, Lexington, Kentucky or wherever we're at that day, you know, in Richmond, Virginia? It's yeah. like, no, like it's not, it's not that. It's just like they, yeah, I think some guys just have like, to me, though, I, I've been in, you know, a few scuffles, but like oh, yeah. the the now, what's really funny is what I think that person has turned into is like the 
the the person at the bar that people go to pick on now is like the the giant buff dude because a lot of those dudes have never fought yeah they're just like have a lot of muscles yep. just because you have a lot of muscles does not yep. mean you can fight Don't like and that. i i actually saw it go down very recently i one was one of in, our toughest buddies is probably what five eight about 190 yeah five nine Absolutely. 190 you know like you know someone you don't want to tussle with well yeah it's it's someone that can yeah take a steel chair to the head oh, yeah. and just keep on ticking oh yeah you know and you're like oh that's my guy you know you're like i want the guy trying to eat the bottles off the floor over yep. here in the glass you know like but what did you witness recently i was uh i won't say what city but i was in a city with a with some guys i work with and we were at a restaurant bar and like it was definitely like sectioned off as like the restaurant was one side the bar was the other yeah and i could see this like argument starting and i was like ooh, 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 ooh. i was like i even like remember like kind of like nudging my buddy and i was like is a, something's about to pop off i was like just watch your back around here because yeah. i was like i don't think they're coming into this way but i was like look over there i pointed it out and sure enough it was like this like small smaller dude he probably weighed a hundred and 70 80 pounds he wasn't very big and he was very sh you know he's a shorter guy but you could just kind of tell like there's a twinkle in their eye you know of like <laughs> they want to mess some stuff up and he was going after the most chiseled beautiful man in the bar who was just like you you know a, a guy you know back in the day you're like you know i'm yeah. not gonna fight fabio no like you know because fabio's jacked yeah uh, you know, he's gonna beat me up but this guy knows. Like I was like, there is a there is a thing now where I'm like, this guy knows. Like I was like, this little twinkle in this little, you know, Oscar the Grouch character over here, he <laughs> knows what's happening. And sure enough, it got to a fight, got to be pushing, and then they walked outside, and that little guy just, I he picked him, he picked that dude up. The guy had to weigh 240 pounds. He wicked him, picked him out, and dropped him right on his head. And I was like, "There we go." Here we and go. And I was just like, "Yeah." And I saw like the bouncers and the people scuffling and like all this stuff. And I just, my buddy's like, "Man, how did you sense that?" And I was like, "That is like another like small town thing." I feel like, yeah, I don't know why it has to. Maybe because we've seen more fights and been yeah. a part of them, you witness them more because you do. Part of growing up around here is a little bit like everybody's got to be down to scuffle a little bit. Yeah. You know, I tough, but. I, I knew I could, I, he just, my buddy was like in awe that that actually happened. And he's like, how did you know that that was going to pop off over there? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I think I even said, I said, yeah, that little Oscar Grouch, man, I could see that twinkle. He was like, oh, this is going down one way or the other. <laughs> like this, this big buff dude isn't getting out of here without me getting a lick on him, you know? And yeah, sure enough, it all went down, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I am not that guy. I'm just like, uh, no, please. Please do not punch me. Please do not. I, I, I'd rather this all be diffused with our words. Yep. Or if we could just walk away and ignore like it never happened, that also would work. You know. Let's all enjoy a good show. Yeah. Have some great music. Make yeah. a new friend and go home happy. Yeah, exactly. It's like let's be friends, all of us. Oh man. Is Shaky, by the way, uh, out of New York? Where's he? No, no, he's based out of Austin, Texas. Okay. Oh man, Austin. That's a place I want to go visit, hang out with my southern peeps. Very cool city. Um, 
I do like the city of Austin, but it's changed quite a bit in the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, a lot of people moving there. Yes. Joe Rogan. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Joe Rogan, but also millions of others. Yeah. Yes. It's a, <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk. Yeah. He's, he's got a place there now. Um, yeah. Lots of famous people live there now. Right it's, on. uh, yeah, it's a cool little spot. It's, uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time in that city. Right on. So I've got, uh, I've got questions about touring and other countries and food, but I think the the last topic I want to touch on with you is, uh, let's talk a little bit about your wife, your marriage, yeah. your, okay, so let's see here. You've been married for three and a half months. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Three and a half months. Fresh. But you've been together. You knew you you're going to spend your life together for a while now. Yeah. So you meet her and you're touring and is she stationary in New York pretty much? She is. Yeah. So I guess, I I guess I'm curious as to how that works with meeting someone, getting to know them through the process of your hectic life. You get married, you're touring, you're gone a lot. If that's stressful for her, if she's just totally cool with it because she knew she was getting into, I'm just, you got you have a, a different life than most married people. Yeah. And so I'm interested on on how that dynamic works. Well And she's gotta be pretty dang cool to, you know, to rock with it. She is very cool. Um she's yeah, uh, truly I mean, I obviously waited later in life to be get married. By the way, um, I bet when you like told Colleen you had a serious relationship, she was stoked yeah she would, she would make the grandkid comments yeah yeah for often. sure yeah uh and thank goodness my little brother has supplied her with uh grandkids yeah <laughs> and she also has yeah you know step grandkids or well they're grandkids in general but yeah. like yeah she's got grandkids now so she's all set five i think yeah oh, man. five it's crazy but um yeah i she was very excited but you know my wife it was we met uh through work so she knew what i did mm-hmm. um and it was i i don't it's weird to say like it wasn't like people like oh love at first sight or thing but i was in love with her after spending that the night that like i met her um I knew I was in love with this person and it was much different than anything I'd ever experienced before in the sense of just relationship wise, where I was like, Oh man, like I, this could work. Um, and she obviously, yeah, knew what I did. And I did also, you know, to point out, I did mention this is probably my last touring yep. person I'll ever work for. Maybe somewhat. And that, related there. that is definitely related. For sure. Um, Especially if you, it, they always say you got to love the person with with your that you're with. You're never gonna not love them, but you really got to like them. Yes. If you like them, you want to be around them. Yeah. So you don't want to be you don't want to be gone all the time. A lot no. of married guys are probably like, oh hell yeah, yeah, get no. away. No, you want to be with her. Yeah, yeah, and I I do, and I want to have a family with her, and I want it, and I also think that this is kind of something I maybe picked up subconsciously and and also through just you know the conversations with you know my wife uh is i want to be there for all of the things 
that my kid will ever go through. Yeah. And I also want to be there for all the things that my wife is going to go through as a mother. Um, because there's a lot as you get older and you realize that like it is all on the mom. Yeah. And I think it's important. And I'm, I'm very much like, I want to be there for those things. I want to be there for all every step in between. And I love being around my wife. Like she is my, like my best friend. Like I, it's crazy. Like I, it is definitely that like, she is my best friend. We have an amazing relationship where she, you know, and it's funny because I think, you know, I've told her this a few times. I knew she was the one after we had our first argument. And I was like, I don't care. Like as as much as like, I didn't care. It was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's all that was like, that sucked. But like, well, I don't care. I still want to be with this person. And yeah, she's great. I mean, and and she was she is very supportive of what I do and she likes the people too that I work with. She's gotten to be very close with them as well and their loved yeah. ones and stuff like that. So it's all helped um kind of like the process of it. But yeah, yeah she's she do, does now want me to maybe like find the finish line of of what it's going to be and you know, and mm-hmm. is supportive and will be like, "Hey, what are you you know, what do you think you should do next? Or like, what do you want to try to do next? You know, and kind of give me advice on things because she's very successful in what she does. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. Like this is, this is what I want to do. And she, uh, she's great. She's, yeah, she's been more than anything. It is one of those things. Like I having the space is really great for the relationship at times. Like where I leave, because as soon as you come home, it's like, thank goodness I'm back home with you. Yeah. You know, thank gosh I'm back here. Like, this is so great that I'm, I'm finally home again, you know? But yeah, she's, she's been just in a, a pretty incredible little rock that has locked been amazing for, for me on doing all this and supportive of it. And now we, yeah, are kind of taking that next step. And we took that, f- the first, I think little leap where you get a dog, you know, and then like that, baby steps yeah it's like the baby steps yeah. but like now this little dog is like our son it's like oh no like are we becoming those people like where <laughs> we like we you scroll through my phone and 95 percent of my pictures on my phone are of my dog you know and it's like uh but yeah i, I mean she's she's incredible i yeah and the one thing too is it helps that she doesn't she works in the same industry, but in no way the, the, what I do, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's, so she understands the style, but of, of life, but like at the same time, her job is not like, you know, tour managing and yeah. stuff like that. So no, nah, she's been great. And I have been lucky to, I was lucky to find her when I did in my life. And she kind of was like, yeah, I'm down with this too. You're kind of cool. Yeah. Like we can make it work. <laughs> and I did everything I could probably do to make it work. And she did too. And we now, yeah. A few more, a uh, few more date options in New York than Alta. Oh, uh, yep. Couple more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would say there's, uh, what is the, like the saying of big fish, small pond? or whatever like that's what it is like here you know and there 
it's like nah there you can yeah you're you're yeah one of a trillion and nobody cares but at the same time that's a good thing you yeah. know because you can just go out and meet so many people on a daily basis sure what you're doing and yeah it's great i mean it's a it's a really you know it's a wild thing to be married but uh, i'm like, super stoked I'm it like, is it's cool this is like a a very awesome experience and i'm so glad that i get to do this for the rest of my life with you like yeah. you're tight <laughs> you know like there was a there was i was mar- i'm divorced now which obviously you know yeah and i've talked about it on the show people know too but it was there was a time when it was really good it didn't work out you know it is what it is but it's crazy how when you it's crazy how you can have these lifelong friends but then when you meet that one person they like within a matter of eight months can become your best friend or five months, whatever it might be. And you're like, I care about this person more than anyone I've ever known. Yeah. It's wild how that happens. It is. It is strange. You know, it is like that connection is just wild. Yeah. I, yeah, it is. It's really wild to me. You know, I, and granted, everybody's different. Everybody's different. But one thing like I'll leave this on that people can debate once we end this podcast is I, in my, in my mind, I still don't understand how people get married between the ages of like 18 and 26, even 27. Yeah. Because crazy the amount of growing and life things i've learned about myself between that i mean up until i was like 30 even like i was like learning things you know like in about myself and and not knowing maybe i was a late bloomer i don't know but like at the same time i would never ever ever like regret like the life that i lived up until i met her you know and it was selfish don't get me wrong like it was all about me like i wanted I I went and did whatever I want. I was gone whenever I was gone and I went and did and got to see amazing things and took, you know, vacations to Japan and went to like all over the place by myself and and through my work. But I it, it to me I I'm always like, man, I know people that have been married since they were like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And I'm like and so and and a lot of those people, not all, but a lot of those people are still with the person. Yeah. And, and maybe I, there's, you and I have classmates who's or have kids almost going into high school. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is maybe like you grow up together. Yeah, and that helps solidify that bond. Um, but man, I just think you miss out on a lot of. Sure, like, and I, I'm sure there's a there's a rebuttal to that. You know, like that they could they could their point of view that they could give. I'd love to like sit down with someone that. Yeah. Or one of our friends that was married when they were like 19 years old, 20 years old. Yeah. And be like, do you like, are you like, is it like, what do you feel like you're going to retire? Like, what is like, what is like, what is your goal here? What was the goal there? You know, like, are you going to, it's so, it's interesting to me because I'm like, I have friends that have kids that are close to going to high school and I have no children and, yeah. and, and still plan on having children. Yeah. Like I, you know, but I, I'm just like, this is crazy. Like you have a kid that's going to be a freshman in high school and they're going to be gone in four years. And then 
are, are you going to retire? Like, what is the plan? It's like, what, wild. are you just going to stay here and do stuff? Cause like you should get out <laughs> and see the world or something, I guess, you know, but like, yeah. can you, I don't know. Like it's, but they would have, I would hope they would have like a great rebuttal for me being like, yeah. no, I got to do this with my wife and, and grow, I'm guessing, or, yeah. you know, and, and grow up together. Cause you're growing to think that you've grown up by the time you're 25 years old, it's you are insane. You are absolutely wrong. Sure, everybody's life is different, and there Especially are people guys. that have to grow up a lot quicker than you know, and unfortunately have to grow up because they're put in situations and family situations that they just have to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the ones that choose to just like twenty one, I'm married, and I have two kids. And you're like, whoa, cool. Yeah. Teach their own, right? I guess. You know, yeah. I just would love to like kind of hear their perspective on it and like what they feel like their marriages are. What I guess like what they yeah what what they went through and like kind of how they went about it because I'm I'm just like so kind of enamored almost by it at times with yeah. like because in New York like me just getting married on the East Coast I I'm still considered kind of like mid range to young to be sure. getting married, but here they they're like are you a grandfather yet you know (laughs) it's like that's the way i feel i know it's not that way exactly but like do you know what i mean like i'm I'm with you 100 it it, it feels like that a little totally different dynamic yeah it's like if you're not married by the time you're it's also you know i guess obviously the lack of other people but like i'm like if you're not married by the time you're 30 here yeah people are like questioning like What's going on? What's with that dude? Like yeah. he must just like not like be a good human, or yeah. like he must not want to like be with anybody for the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, I got married at twenty nine, and then unfortunately divorced at was it like thirty three? Wait, married at twenty nine, divorced at thirty four, something like that. Thirty four, okay. and uh, thirty three. I think thirty three. Can't remember. Uh, but yeah, when I got married, I was like, oh. I got it in before thirty. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm now I'm divorced at thirty five, and I'm thinking like, well, a lot of my favorite podcasters and sports center people are like in their forties when they got married, late forties having kids. If it happens, it happens. If it's not, you know, I kind of yeah. got a chance to do whatever I want. Yeah, right now. absolutely. Chase You're dreams of my own. Human stuff. being, you can do whatever you want. I mean, I will say this: I bet you probably think about. I want I, I a question that I pose to you is yeah. like, do you, as a, a single man living in like a smaller town right now, do you feel like it's so difficult though to find even just a person to go on a date with? It's tough. Okay, you That's gotta. A- so everyone, pretty much everyone around here my age who's single is divorced. They have kids, which I'm totally down with. If I meet someone who already has kids, yeah, it's it's cool. But yeah, it's it's to the you know when I get real serious about it, might have to hit up that farmersonly.com. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, Ooh, not that farmersonly.com. <laughs> uh, shout but out to them; they the, should be sponsoring the podcast. But like, probably, we just had a nice conversation about marriage. Farmersonly.com. Yeah. <laughs> like, please give us a yeah. shout out and subscribe to this podcast, but also sponsor <laughs> this podcast. No, it's I, I think online dating is a real thing. I'm I'm like in a spot right now where it's like. I wish it would have worked out my marriage, but now I'm kind of like, I got, I got a lot of options. I have a cat. I farm and have a cattle operation. So it's kind of like, yeah, 
you got to stick around here, continue that legacy. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's sell the cattle, move to Nashville, go somewhere where there's way bigger platforms for podcasting and stuff that yep. I want to do. And something I really want to do is like MC events. Nice. I've emceed stuff for my church and like some local things. And it's fun. Yeah, just give me, you, give me a mic and let I, me run the show. Yeah, I think and it's, you can't, it's yes. not a lot of op, not a lot of opportunity here for that. Sure, but I think maybe just doing. But you can start small. Yeah, and and doing you know a little bit of yeah, uh, putting yourself out there just for anything and everything of just getting it kind of like oh this guy is an MC or this guy can do this event sort yeah. of thing is part of just that whole thing that I'm I think we all struggle with of it's like take that leap take that like little bit of like you know fear and un, of the unknown yeah. and and ride it because that's I mean that is who I that is how I've gotten to where I've got that's yeah, how that's people, your story. people get to where they got is like you know taking a little bit of that like oh boy is this going to actually work? And yeah. and just riding it and just being like, yes, I, I will make this work no matter what. I will get to where I want to get to. And yeah. I will continue to just like push, 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 push until, you know, I, I can't anymore. And yeah, I, I mean, I've known you for, like I said, we've known each other forever. And it's like, I think that is part of something that I think you have that you have they, they just got to tap it into even this like with the what you're doing with this podcast that's great it's like yeah tap into it and go and find that like almost like uncomfortable zone and be like okay cool like i know i can now do this yeah you know because that's like yeah to me that's kind of especially you the know I've, best products usually get built out of that yeah. little bit of fear and i'm uh you know i have a deep faith and yeah so it's like take you know take that don't just do something dumb, but pray on it and take that leap of faith and go for it. Absolutely. I mean, you got to be able to, you know, be comfortable in your skin and, and, and have that. Yeah. That, that little bit of just like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go out there and make this, you know, what, you know, eat. cause it's like, even if you fail to me at that point, and, and that's, wouldn't you rather try instead of die wishing you would have tried? That's yeah. And that is a hundred percent. I think I live live by that yeah. like motto a lot where I'm just like I I've got to take this shot because yeah. like, even if I blow it and I I at least I gave it I I, I gave it a good shot you yeah. know I was super uncomfortable but I enjoyed it and yeah. you know like I said I faked it till you make it that's about yeah. that also is I guess for a good, a good motto for yeah. my life is like well, does he know <laughs> what he's doing no maybe he does like you know figure it out yeah like that shout out to that band that fired me after the first (laughs) night for never never being like yeah we're good man you know they were actually very pleasant about it but they're like yeah that was man thank you so much for doing i mean i'll never forget like thank you so much for doing the sound but uh you know we're gonna go to we're gonna go back to athens georgia by ourselves we don't need you okay well thanks guys bye you know a little nerd i was like okay cool see ya (laughs) Hope you all have a nice trip. <laughs> In my mind, I was just like, oh, man, they loved me. And then I was just like later thought about it, you know, years later. I was like, boy. Was that their nice way of really? Yeah, that was just their very down. pleasant way of being like, you were awful. <laughs> like, you were bad. Like, you were bad at this job. But 
Oh my we, uh, gosh. Yeah. First event I ever emceed. So every summer my church, we do an all church retreat to like a camp like an hour and a half from here. They got water slides and like a blob and all sorts of fun stuff to do for family things. So we do sessions and all that while we're there, plus a bunch of free time. But I uh we always do a, a talent show and I emceed the talent show. It was hundred 125 130 people and it was a talent show full of like seven to 12 year olds emceed it yeah but i was like this is kind of fun can i i want to do this some more yeah can i ask what was the coolest talent do you remember uh so the they're not great it's a bunch of little kids just Mm -hmm. doing the thing but there was a girl who could bend her fingers so many different directions it like made me gag almost yeah a little later and that's awesome the best laugh i got of the whole night was I said, man, I can't even touch my toes, and this girl can bend her finger back to her wrist. Crowd erupted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. You had to yeah. be there. Little kid, little kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, little, little uh, talent show things. That's awesome. Yeah. I like, think that that's – being an MC is a is a talent too like yeah. that is like something. Yeah, I was up on stage thinking, oh, I'm Ryan Seacrest up here. Yeah. yeah heck Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you are the next, you know, talent idol yeah. of, of this yeah. little finger master over here. <laughs> you bending your fingers all weird. <laughs> yeah, you over there that tried to play the piano, get out of here. You know, yeah. we got we got bendy fingers over yeah. here. We yeah. need her. Uh, that's uh, great. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Yeah, let's, uh, if let's you're do down, this again. If you're, if you're down for doing some more, we can do a part two. And who knows? I would love part to. Three. I got... I got questions. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I maybe, would love to. Maybe we can like, you know, we can get another one in tomorrow night or something even. I don't know. Like I've I've got... Uh, I'd, be, I'd be down for it. Speaking of gambling, do you remember our night in the Wild Rose in Emmitsburg when I told you you were being an idiot uh-huh. for the amount of money you I'll had never. on zero, on roulette? I said, Wyatt, stop it. That's irresponsible. <laughs> the odds of it landing on zero are terrible. You're just wasting money. You had like 400 bucks, 500 yeah. bucks on there. And uh, you took it off. I think you left like a hundred. Yeah. And that ball landed <laughs> on zero, and I cost you over a thousand dollars. Well over a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I remember. The, you I, were I remember hot. that. Yeah, yeah. I and remember. You were pissed. I was like, "Well, the freaking odds say it's yeah. not gonna happen." Uh, it was a very smart friend thing to do. <laughs> extremely smart. I felt friend terrible thing though. To do, but I remember you like your. I remember your face more than I do anything <laughs> I of that night because you. Almost, it looked like you had almost seen a ghost, but had been electrocuted at the same time because you were just like, oh my gosh, this, this, what just happened there? Because it was not, yeah, I mean, it was, it was literally, it wasn't like, oh, he said that, you said that, and then two rolls later it hit zero. It was, it was the, I feel like the, I feel like the ball was rolling. It was like 14 seconds later. And I had like. Yeah, you were just the like... The last second you can, you move some chips away. Yeah, I was like, ah, you're right. Boom, off. And it and cost you it, like $2,500. Yeah, and then it hit. And you're, yeah, your I should face give you, was, I should give you some beef, some Pedersen your, beef to make up for it. Yeah, your face was like, uh, excuse me? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, what just happened here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was still a good night. We still won. I mean, yeah, we had some fun nights. Yeah, we could talk about those nights. Jeez, Louise. Yes, and we could. those. Oofta. We 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 battled that, that casino before. Yeah. We get back it. from the casino late at night, throw down a heater. Boo, and then just in then the just, Pedersen yard before the, while the cars are warming up. Right. And then like 
straight back to whatever we had to do the next morning. Yep. I just remember that. Like, I remember it being like us sometimes going on like a Tuesday night, yep. whatever, like, a t- and being like, do Tuesday we have to work yeah. tomorrow? It's like, everybody's like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> okay. I guess. Three hours of sleep is good enough. Yeah, it's like, I guess we'll get home around two. Okay, yep. cool. Like, well, let's make this happen. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, those those are some just nights of <laughs> oh, just like man. the, yeah, some things we did were irresponsible fun. That yeah. was, we had a lot you of You gotta it. have fun while you're young. Yeah, exactly. All, All right. right. Let's do this again. That was part one. We talked, oh man, I got questions. I got international questions. I got, it, it can't be a podcast with me if we don't ask some food questions. Yeah, then we will definitely do this again so. before I get out of here or via, now that you have this cool recorder, we'll do it via phone yes sir all right well folks you uh you're getting to know Wyatt a little he's he's a he's a, a lovely human uh i'm glad that i get to know him more than you but you're getting you're getting a little taste here and uh hopefully there's a lot more to come you'll hear that soon uh for now that is episode 53 yeah. of the backroads and bonfires podcast hut hut <laughs> <laughs> later